30 days, no power, no electricity, no way of getting anywhere or accessing anything that you're used to using. What would you do? How would you survive for 30 days? Let's talk about that today on Shuffle. That's So what would this 30 days look like? Well, first of all, we talked about that there would be no power whatsoever. So 30 days without power, my assumption is going to be that there's no gasoline, no engines, no transportation whatsoever, aside from my own two feet, maybe a bicycle. So that means that uh, none of our cars will work, kind of like an EMP device or an electric magnetic pulse. So if you're not familiar with an EMP, it's basically a device that sends this electromagnetic pulse that renders all technology useless. So again, no power, no phones, nothing. So how would we cope with that? Well, I think the first thing that happens in any emergency or disaster situation is the grocery stores go barren. And I think that's really interesting because rather than you know everybody pulling together and providing for one another, it's just fight or flight, everybody for his own, right? So with that being said, we're going to assume that we're late to the game and that all of the grocery stores have already been vandalized and they've been rioting and looting and uh, there's nothing left for us. Well, we already know that refrigeration is not going to work because we don't have any power. So the time of the year, the season's really going to have a lot to say about this. So if it's winter and we live in a climate that gets snow, we can make our own mock refrigeration system out of it. So maybe we could have some of the meats and things like that that we could preserve in our own way, whether we uh, cure it in salt or we dig trenches, make igloos, etc., to store the meat or fresh veg and things like that. Um, you know, but let's say it's in the middle of summer or autumn or springtime when we don't have snow. Uh, maybe we don't have rain. We'll just say it's a, a typical autumn day where the temperatures are not too high, so we're not going to get heat exhaustion. They're not too cold. We're not going to get hypothermia, and maybe it's not going to rain. So we have 30 days to deal with this, right? No food, no transport, no power. We'll still have water because you don't need to have power for water. Um, if you have well water or you have city water, it doesn't matter. They're still going to flow through the pumps. So we're going to say that water is not an issue. The average human being can live up to eight weeks without any food, just water. So that's going to well surpass these 30 days. So in reality, we don't even need to worry about everybody pillaging all the local grocery stores and convenience stores. What we really want to worry about is what are we going to do to pass the time? We've become so addicted to our technology that uh, what are we going to do? We could look at our Amish friends to see how they survive day to day because technically we'd be living just like they do. Um, so I don't think it'd be the end of the world, but a lot of people would treat it as such. It does take 21 days to break a habit, so that's going to be the vast majority of your 30 days. So it'll take us about 21 days to finally realize that we don't have a phone that we can use, <laughs> that we don't have electricity, and we're going to really freak out for the majority of these 30 days. Some people might take it as a little vacation or a holiday, so a way to unwind or disconnect, and some people do this currently, so I'm sure it will affect others more so. 
Uh, for me personally, it would really bother me a lot because I, I'm definitely addicted to all of my technology and my devices. So what will we do for these 30 days? Well, I mentioned that our transportation is going to be very limited to our own two feet or a bicycle. My assumption is people are going to raid and take all the bicycles straight away uh, because that's going to be uh, a faster means of, or of uh, transportation. So my thought were our equine friends. That's what the, our Amish friends do, so let's grab some horses. The average horse can travel about 20 miles a day before they get exhausted. So assuming that there's food for horses to eat oats and barley, things like that, that we can scavenge from the land, we can get about 20 miles a day on a horse. Now, I'm not one to go uh, horseback riding. Uh, I've never been on a horse, and everything I've heard is that it's not a very comfortable thing to do. So I'm thinking, let's take some advice from some past world leaders. What makes a great leader? I think nobody can argue that charisma is one of the chief things that gets people to follow you. If we look at some of the most charismatic people in life in the past, we see that they've become very popular leaders. Not necessarily great ones, but they've had the ability to get many, many people to follow them. It's all about the tone of voice and how you deliver yourself. And that's what charisma really boils down to. So me being a charismatic person, I think that I'd be able to easily find some people to follow me. I could become the leader of a small group. Within this group, I can convince them to assist me in creating a rickshaw or even a chariot. Once I got this chariot or this carriage, this buggy, however we want to construct it, we could take some of these horses. So we could get a typical Amish style buggy or a chariot and get two horses. With those horses, we can go about 20 miles a day, but I don't want to overstrain them. So out of my in-group, I'm going to elect, if you will, one person as my comrade, my counterpart, whether it's a, a romantic interest or just a friend, whomever, I'm going to take one person with me. From that, we can travel again about 20 miles per day. Where am I going to go? Well, I guess that really depends on where you live. But what are we going to do? We can go 20, 20 miles, but what are we going to go see? We can look at natural phenomena. We can look at some landmarks, but we can't really go shopping. We can't go to any malls. We can't go see a movie. We can't go to the local coffee shop. We can't go out to dinner. So what are we going to do? We have to go back and think to our primal instincts as hunters and gatherers. And we could hunt for food, but we've already talked about we can go multiple weeks without eating. So... I think it might do us some good to lose some weight as Americans. So what are we really going to do to occupy our time? We can tell stories. We can talk. And that's really all we're going to really get to do. We could read some books. I'm sure a lot of the local libraries are not going to get broken into and all of the books pillaged. Now, personally, I'm a pretty big advocate for e-readers and uh, electronic media. But I guess in this case, having those books in paper format would really come in handy. I'm also sure we could uh, break into a office supply store, take a couple um, dry erase boards and some markers, and we could have a school. But I think in a time of crisis, how many people are really going to want to go to school and learn things? Now, I enjoy learning things just as much as the next person, probably more so. But how many people would show up just for no reason? I don't think very many. What we're really looking at here is these people, even though it's only a month, are going to be, like I mentioned before, in that fight-or-flight mode. 
they don't care about anything else but their own survival. So crime would go up, violent crime especially. In the United States, we have uh, no real uh, gun restrictions. Um, there are gun laws in place, but it's incredibly easy to own a firearm in the United States. So I'm sure a lot of people would uh, go on a killing spree. Again, survival of the fittest, make sure that they stay alive. Um, so my goal, I think, is because I live in the state of Ohio, I'm really close to the Canadian border. I'm about a four hours drive. Well, being able to only go 20 miles a day on my horse, it's going to take me a couple weeks to get there. So after uh, about two weeks, I would get to Canada. I'd set myself up in Toronto. It's a nice large city, and I think it would work out well. Um, Canada's gun laws are a lot more stringent than in the U.S., so I'd feel a little bit safer there. Because it's already taken me half of the time that we've had this, you know, this uh, EMP go off or this no power, uh, I'm already halfway through. So how do I spend my last two weeks? I don't know. I think I could make some new friends, uh, maybe learn some more, do some research, do some studying, um, maybe go out, get a trusty uh, marker or a pen and a notebook, some paper, and write some things down. Document this for uh, when the power comes back on. I can share the world, uh, you know, my story. But what if I didn't know it was only for 30 days? I think that's kind of one of the key points is this whole time my assumption is I know the power is only going to be out for 30 days. Well, if the power is only on or only off for 30 days and I know that, what I'm going to do is completely different as if it were to all just disappear and I don't know for how long. If you get into that situation, then we're looking at things like, do we want to find a bunker? Do I want a disaster location? Do I want a doomsday shelter? You know, if I'm not aware how long I'm going to be without power, then things like food are a lot more important to me. I know I can last for two weeks without eating. I know I can last for a month without eating. But if I don't know when I'm going to get my next meal and I need to stay alive, then things change drastically. No longer am I worried about just protecting my life and getting out of the country. At that point, I really need to think about where my morals lie and how I'm going to survive. So I made friends with those people in the beginning to help me build my chariot or my carriage, my, uh, my buggy, whatever. Are those people really my allies or are they looking for a reason to kill me so they can survive? Once again, when we hit that fight or flight, do we still have alliances? How much have I invested into these people and how much have they invested in me? Have we known each other for a long time or just a short period of time? Is there really any way to know based on their character alone, whether or not that I can trust them in these, this time of emergency? I don't know if there really is because when you come into that situation where you don't know what's happening next, you don't know whether or not you will survive, your instincts take over. So what happens? What happens in the moment when it's been day 31 and that power still is not back on? At that point, I don't know whether or not I'm going to be able to have the lights turn back on or my phone will just randomly start working again. Maybe this EMP that went off is just local. Maybe it's just in my town. So is my goal still to leave and see if maybe other places have power and it's an isolated event? Or is this a worldwide mass thing where every power is gone from everywhere?
well, maybe this is the time when I need to look into some electrical engineers. I need to make friends with other people to see if maybe other people are working on fixing the issue rather than just surviving. But again, I don't have any type of communication other than words. I can't make any phone calls. I can't use a walkie-talkie. So aside from word of mouth, how am I going to find an electrical engineer? I can work in my people group and say, hey, any of you guys know anything about EMPs? Any of you guys know anything about electrical engineering? How we can fix this? Let's go to a substation. I don't know the first thing about that. I don't know anybody who does. What are the chances of somebody from Random Town, USA, knowing somebody who could fix this issue? They'd have to have done a lot of research on this, and that's just not easy to find. Sure, today I could go on a message board, type it into Google, figure it out, but it's not going to be easy to do if I don't have any means of doing so. In a way, I guess we'd revert back to a very primitive type of society. Either we work to fix the problem, or we create a brand new life. Now, the Amish people have taught us that there's definitely ways that we can communicate, live, and survive without any electricity. They've been doing it for decades, for centuries. But do we want to do that? Once we've had the opportunity to taste technology, are we willing to give it up? I think if it's a matter of survival, we will. But I don't think we drop it without a fight. Out of necessity comes invention. So are we going to invent new things that do not rely on electricity? Are we going to invent maybe that purely hydroelectric car or that runs only on wind? If we have all these necessities, we want to find ways to replicate them. So maybe because of the lack of energy, the lack of power, we may figure out ways of surviving and furthering technology that isn't reliant upon power. Maybe we will find a way to turn those lights on and to turn on our cars or to create new methods of transport. Or maybe we revert back to older ones. Either way, I think we'll find a way to survive. But 30 days is nowhere near long enough to figure all that out. If we were stuck with only 30 days of no power, I think life would be very difficult for a month and there'd be a lot of casualties and then it'll take several months for reparations to occur, for the stores to reopen, to get stock back into place, for new food to be raised and slaughtered and prepared. I think a lot of people would leave. I think a lot of people would kill others. Uh, maybe some people would revert to cannibalism. I don't know. But I think if it were longer than that one month, other people would have to come up with ideas or ways to improve life. They'd have to find a way to make technology happen again. Maybe we wouldn't have an iPhone, and maybe we won't be able to just Google something. All of the servers would be down. But there'd have to be a way to get the communication. If we look back in history, we can see that people in ancient Greece, ancient Rome, and these historic civilizations had means of communication. They voted. They had currency. They found ways to make their lives easier. We would have to do the same. It would just take a long period of time. But how long? Given what we know now, I'm sure we could replicate things a lot easier. Or is it because we have all this technology at our fingertips 24-7 that we don't have the ability to think for ourselves? Any answers we need, we just look them up. We Google them. Have we become so reliant upon technology 
that we don't know how to have bright ideas anymore. Well, given the popularity of the TV show Dragon's Den or Shark Tank, I think people are still creative enough to create inventions. But I think a lot of people are too resilient upon technology, maybe myself one of them. So again, 30 days doesn't seem like much in the grand scheme of things. One month out of several years is nothing. But I really want to focus on that what happens if this becomes a permanent thing. What if we no longer have power? We no longer have electricity. I'm sure there are other things that we can use. I mean, maybe backup batteries, but they're not going to work properly. We need another energy source. I'm sure we could find one. We're working on it right now. If we need those energy sources, not because they're more convenient, but because they're necessary, I think we do a lot more research. So why aren't we doing this research now? Well, because we don't have the funding for it. But if we don't have the funding for it then, because it's a matter of life or death, it's a matter of survival, a matter of progression, then people would be more apt to do it. So why, what is the motivator here? Survival. When the motivator changes from money to survival, we can accomplish great and wonderful things. So it's all in the mindset, I guess. Going back to the initial question, if you have 30 days without power, what would you do? You have no gasoline, you have no engine, you have no transportation other than your own two feet. Or what if those horses were already slaughtered and then you have zero transportation aside from your feet? Everybody's already stripped all the rubber from the tires of the bicycles for their own purpose. So you have no bicycles. We have a lot of factors coming into play here, but hypothetical questions are fun because you can make whatever you want happen. So we're going to go with it. We're going to say absolutely no transportation other than your feet. No horses. Nothing. Well, now it makes that trip to Toronto a lot more difficult. I don't know how far the average person could walk in a day. I think it really depends on how good of shape you're in, what type of training you've had, and how you, well you can hydrate yourself. So we're going to say that we're stuck where we are. How long would you be stuck in the same town, the same, we'll say, five-mile radius, before you go crazy? Before you say, I've had enough. I need to figure out how to get out of here. Some people are very happy staying where they are. Some people get very wanderlust. They get stir-crazy, cabin fever, and they need to get away as soon as they can. I'm one of those people. I'd find a way. But how? I think that's really the question for you to look at. Like I said before, necessity is the mother of invention. And maybe we have to spend a month with no power, or maybe a year, to see what kind of technology we can create. Maybe we won't be relying upon the power grid. What's the most important thing about survival? Is it having nourishment, food, water, shelter? Or is it being able to evolve, adapt, and progress? If we're not progressing, what are we doing? We don't want to become stagnant. And being in a situation where we can't move beyond our borders, our five-mile radius that we have, is becoming pretty stagnant. How long would it be until somebody finds a way to make tea out of the random foliage that we find? We can create fire, burn some wood, boil some water that we found from the stream, and then throw in some berries that we found and make a flavored tea. When can we uh, figure out other beverages we can make or some food that we can create off the land just like people did thousands of years ago? Well, once people start creating these means, 
we get capitalism again. Because if I found out a way that I can make tea from all of these berries I happen to have in my backyard, I'm going to set up shop. Now, maybe currency won't be paper money and coins. Maybe we'll use the barter system for something or another. But capitalism will surely start. We're already used to it. We're greedy people. We've already ransacked all the grocery stores because i got to think of myself first. So now I need to think about who's the owner of these means of production. What are the means of production that we have? This is Sociology 101. So now we're going to go back into Karl Marx theory, right? We're going to have the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. So re history repeats itself, right? So now that we're in this, this point in society where we need to advance, we have those who can work and those who own the means of production. So now that I have my tea shop, I have people coming in that want my tea. They need a beverage. They want something to drink. They don't want to drink the water from the stream anymore. Maybe they don't have the berries. I do. So now I'm charging all of them. Maybe I'm charging the guy who's learned how to bake. Uh, he has the, he's the guy that raided all the grocery stores, and he has all the flour. Maybe he has chickens and he has eggs. He's making his own bread. Bread is my favorite food. I'm giving him tea for his bread. Now, he and I are both living life. So maybe he and I go into business with each other, and now we find a way to sell our bread and our tea. Maybe he's going to make some quick breads. He now makes scones with his tea, and everybody's coming to where we are. Well, now we're finding ways to venture out and capitalize our possessions, our trade, our tools. As more people come to us with their goods, we've now created an economy. Based on that economy, we can start to build things. We can start to branch out. So now that he and I have built our tea and scone location, we have now trained other people who can also make our tea and scones. And we're going to send them just beyond that five-mile limit. And now they can barter and trade with others. Pretty soon, we're going to have a functioning society. And we're not going to be killing each other for food. And we're not going to be pillaging and robbing everybody because everybody's going to work together. After a while, we're all going to figure out what those skills are, and that capitalism is going to take hold, and we create a currency. So again, this is assuming that we don't have just that 30 days, right? So if we have this going on for a long period of time, even indefinitely, everybody's going to start thinking about, what can I do? What am I good at doing? And we'll create a brand new society. Soon enough, somebody will create that transportation. Whatever that transportation may be, we'll figure it out. Maybe it runs by wind, maybe it's solar, maybe it's hydroelectric, or maybe it is just our own two feet. Maybe it's a pedal car. But I'm sure people can create a pedal car fairly simply. I'm not an engineer, but I'm sure I could figure out how gears work. So then we will have solved that transportation issue. Maybe not the best solution, but slowly and surely we make improvements on it. We're basically just going back 200 years. But it can be done. It gets done all the time. People create inventions. So we may not be able to go to the patent office or apply for a patent. But I'm sure we can create things. So maybe losing power or having an EMP go off worldwide for a couple months may not be the worst thing that happens. Maybe we'll get some brand new technology out of it. Maybe we'll start over and see what happens. Maybe it's not the worst idea. Initially, when I was posed this question, 
I was under the impression that I knew that it would only be for 30 days. And my initial answer said that because it takes 21 days to break a habit, the majority of the time I would be very upset. I would be necessarily, I would be needing coffee. Uh, I'd be you know, looking for my addictions and my fixes, I guess. But I said that I would be charismatic and I would get people to follow me. I would have them build me a rickshaw or build me a chariot, steal some horses, get out of the country. And then I'd become their dictator. I'd be the ruler of the free world. And maybe those are uh, aspirations. But I'm charismatic enough. I think it could happen. But if we get off our high horse, for lack of a better term, and we try to think of how we can work together, but still have a separation of class, we can then create this new society that's mimicked off of what we have currently. That capitalist society where you know, the strongest survive and become the owners of the means of production. They can be that proletariat. We'll have all the middle class or the working class people striving to achieve greatness and give them that reality or that fallacy of class consciousness of where they think that they can have advancement. If we do that, then people are going to continue to work hard and that upward mobility. If they people truly believe in that upward mobility, they're going to work hard to achieve it. And that will make others, the owners of the means of production, more successful. And that's what keeps capitalism alive. It's what keeps people working. It's what keeps innovation. So maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need to just step away for a month or two and take a look at life and what we're using. I'll admit, I'll be the first person to hate not having my phone, not having the internet, not having my computer, not having my local coffee shop. But how long would it take without these things that we hold so dear to find a replacement or find a way to replicate? I hope you enjoyed at least my take on what life would be like without technology for a period of time, whether it's 30 days or longer. As always, to get additional information, please visit the website at mechzalbi.com. That's M-E-C-Z-A-R-B-I. Check out the link under the Paul Casts and get additional information as well as some videos or pictures. Thanks again and enjoy your week.